0: Boom, chicka, chuck, 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 boom, chicka, chug. You should have seen the first service doing it. They were awesome. (laughs) Put you guys to shame. They were rocketed up there. Good morning, Chapel Hill. Good to see you. We are in the penultimate sermon on a series that we're calling For Our Kids penultimate means second to last. One more to go. And, uh, and it has been an opportunity for us to, to deal with one of the great fallacies of the church. You heard how I hate this saying, the children are the church of the future, right? That is not right. The children are just as much the church of today as are the rest of us. And so we, And any church that is not focused on the evangelism and the nurturing of children is doomed. It's on life support already. They just don't know it. And so we are talking about what it means for us as a church to be a church that nurtures and blesses empowers and empowers and encourages and lifts up our kids to know Jesus and be all that they were created to be. And this is not just the task of the parents. This is the task of what I'm calling the church parents and the church grandparents, the rest of us. They all belong to us. And we have been talking in these few weeks about what we need to do to create the greatest possible spiritual environment where our kids can flourish, and we've had great response from you, and I appreciate you being here today to continue in uh, that journey. Uh, the, the, The guy that we have called to lead the charge in this devotion, this commitment to raising up godly kids is Paul Hargreaves. Paul and his wife Gina moved up from California last fall, and they are a dynamic duo. Uh, Paul is great, and the kids love him up front, um, but he has even a greater passion for raising up teams, building teams to minister to our kids, and especially equipping uh, parents to be the primary spiritual leaders, the primary Christian educators of our children. This morning, we're going to look at the single most important Scripture text in the spiritual nurture of kids. In all of the Bible, this is the number one text. It actually comes in the Old Testament, but reappears, as you're going to hear later on. And I thought this passage would be the perfect opportunity for you to hear something of Paul's passion for raising up godly kids and godly uh, families. One of the things that I love about you as a sweetheart church, that's what I call you if you're visiting, this is my sweetheart church. And one of the things I love about you is the way that you welcome first-time preachers up <laughs> to this pulpit. Now, you don't sit back, cross your arms, and say, okay, Bible boy, bring it. You, you lean in, and, and you encourage with your smiles and with your extra hearty laughter and with your responsiveness, and you make uh, new preachers uh, good preachers. And so I'm going to count on you doing that today. You're going to bless Paul. Paul is going to bless you. Why don't we start by welcoming him to the pulpit, Paul Hargraves. Go get them.
1: Trying to figure out here if I'm Batman or Bible Boy. (laughs) I'm Batman. (laughs) So good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Well, I hope you're excited about the big game today. Um, I would would have been much more excited as many of you if... uh, Russ and those Hawks would have taken on Mahomes, but uh, go Hawks, maybe next year. It's also, for me, go Chiefs. Are you with me on this? Much to my wife's chagrin, she grew up in the Bay Area. But please still love her. (laughs) We have a great time. Uh, She's also a Seahawks fan, so you got to love her. So I have to tell you, I'm so excited um, actually to give this next to the last message on this series for our kids because this topic is so exciting uh, to me because God has really called me, called my life to be for kids kids of various ages, uh, this kind of group over here is some of my peeps. For 33 years, I did youth ministries and uh, helping those teenagers to see their lives centered on God. And then, of course, raising uh, three daughters, uh, now uh, adults, um, I was for them, and I was for them centering their lives on God. And then the last seven years, it has been... uh, this new call to uh, families, a focus on families, a focus on parents and grandparents, all of us as the church raising these younger ones. I'm usually at the north end here uh, when kids are down there and. Uh, I am blessed by those kids, incidentally, and um, we're helping them to learn how to worship and uh, whatnot. But I'm called to that now and helping them to prepare for those teenage years. And you help me with that. Help me with that. That's really what our focus. We're talking about what it means to be for our kids of all ages. Well, the people of Israel talked about that a long time ago. In fact, the most important prayer in a Jewish life is a prayer that's called the Shema. They say it every morning and every night. If you're a practicing Jewish person, you still do that to this day. And our text this morning is that very important prayer called the Shema. And we'll explore why it's called that in a bit. But first, let us pray together. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, be present in this room, teaching to each of our hearts your holy word, that these words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer, amen. So let's kind of go out of the gate and read this word, read this text. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I have commanded to you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be like frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. So, here we are. Why do, is it called this word Shema? Well, because Moses says, hear, O Israel. Or in he, the Hebrew language, it would be said Shema Yisrael. The word here is is the word, the Hebrew word Shema. A Jewish person will tell you that they recite this most important prayer because of its importance. Why is it so important? When Moses says, Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, he essentially says to the people, pay attention. Listen up. Hear me, nation of Israel, people of God, God's chosen ones. Listen, hear. This word Shema or hear also carries a deeper meaning. And this is really important to understand as a Hebrew thinker. It's a deeper word that means, Shema means to actually obey. Not just hear, but obey. Take hold of this. Look at it. Grab it. Heed it. You have to get this. It's that kind of a word. And who needs to get it? Well, the people of Israel. The people of God. This chosen group that God called to tell the world that he created. He is this God. He is the one true God. For us today, God is saying, pay attention. Listen up. Hear me, O church, people who are followers of Jesus. Hear, O parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings, everybody that is a follower of Jesus. Hear this because this is what it means to be for our kids, to hear and obey God. And what is so important for us to hear, you might be thinking, well, it says in our text two things. First, Moses lays out who God is. He says in verse 4, hear, O Israel, then what? The Lord, our God, who is he? The Lord is one. When Moses is writing this, he's writing it into a context, into a culture where there was multiple gods. It's called polytheism. And in, the, in that culture, they had cre- the people had created these gods, little g, and they're like, which God should I follow? Should I make this God happy or that God happy? Is this God uh, pleased with me or is that God pleased with me? Which God should I follow? And here comes the Lord, Yahweh, the people of Israel, the one true God that says here in the fifth book of the Bible, this is who I am, the Lord our God, Moses is saying, the Lord is one. So God is revealed to be the one true God in verse 4 there. Then Moses tells us how we're to respond to this one true God. This unique God. It says, you shall love the Lord your God. This all-sufficient one. This God who reveals himself, and as we know, revealed himself perfectly in the person of Jesus. You shall love him with your entire being, then it says. Read with me, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's all of you. But doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus was once asked, hey, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? They were trying to trap him, but he says, well, the first half is the Shema, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And of course, he sums up the law by adding, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says this actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was recorded in those three. So Jesus is saying that the Shema is the first half of the greatest commandment. Then our text goes on in verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your what? Uh, You're just like the kids down there. (laughs) Good job. It's on your heart. It's biblically... Something we need to think about, the heart, what is it? We think of it as a, it's an organ inside of us that pumps blood, but if you think biblically about what's meant by the heart, it is rather what or who we center our lives on. And it's that which drives us. Drives us to do or not do the things we do and don't do. It's what we center our lives that tends to have priority over everything else. And this is also important to note. It also tends to be, what we center our heart on also tends to be what we most pass on to those that are looking up to us, and each of us has somebody looking up to us. There's some youngers in your life. There's some kids. There's some younger. And they're looking to you. And it's what you're most apt to pass on to the next generation. So because of that, parents, grandparents, people of God, before you ever spiritually think of yourself as leading others, you personally need to have your heart centered on the one true God, on Jesus. And it starts with this personal and daily prayer and confession. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Daily pray that you would love God with your whole being and let it start with your heart. Let it start there. As you think of being for our kids and investing in the ones that God has placed in your life, ask yourself, Just check every morning, actually. Is my life, is my heart centered on the one true God? Do I love him more than anything else? God is telling each of you, I I promise, he told me this morning and last night. He told me every day, if you center your life on him, the kids in your life will be impacted by that. Impacted. Over my 33 years with youth and seven with children, I've watched it. If I have grown a team that's centering their lives on God, that children that look up to us are impacted by that. So first there's one God, and then love him with our whole being. Then Moses says, this is our response. Picking up in verse 7. You shall then teach them diligently to your children. Them. Teach what? Well, it's those two truths. There's one God. Love him with all of you and let it start with your heart. What I want to note here is there's really three words, teach them diligently, but it's actually one Hebrew word, shanan. Say it with me. Shanan. It's an interesting word when I looked it up. I'm like, what does it mean to teach diligently our children? There's one Hebrew word, shanan. And what it means is actually, it's interesting. It means to pierce or to sharpen a knife or a sword. So essentially what Moses is saying is that we should intentionally and constantly teach children what it means to recenter their lives back on God. And this is like a resharpening process. When a knife gets dull, we sharpen it. When when our children lose track of who's most important in the entire universe, remind them of the one true God. Remind them of the one true God. And how to love him with all of their being, your being. So there's really three basic lessons to the Shema. Shema. Listen, hear, obey the one true God. Center your life on him, and then be diligent. Sharpen in your teaching the children those two truths. In this next section of our text, God is reminding us of some rhythms that we have each day. There's four that are there. And four rhythms each day that we teach our children. I want to note here that the nation of Israel actually faith was kept alive when they were dispersed because of the daily rhythms and the centering of families and, and, and the church, which was the family centering on this one true God. But there's these rhythms of where we do that. Number one, when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. God purposely lays out four spaces each and every day of our lives to consider passing on faith to the next generation. Think about the various ways that you can take intentional time to daily teach kids what it means to love and have faith in Him throughout each day. So let me explore with you some possibilities Uh, on these four rhythms. Let's take the first rhythm, talk of them when you sit in your... There's times where we sit in our home. Uh, My wife and I always had a a meal, dinner meal with, with our kids. Maybe it is dinner time, but if you don't have a regular time where you sit together, take that time. Maybe it's not with the phones, and you're sitting at your home. And, and consider having this once a day somehow. There's some great conversation that can happen around mealtime. It also can get a little bit ugly. Am I, am I right? But there's also some good, rich conversations that can, uh, you can have around the dinner table. The next idea is uh, the possibility of downloading an app. <laughs> in this app, you can find resources for parenting all ages of children, and the app is called uh, Parent Q. If you don't have it, you can just download it. The web address is on, on the screen there. You basically put in your children or your grandchildren's names in the app, and then you associate an age with them, and it has stuff for each of those children for you to say each week, with your kids, some ideas of things you can say with them. has some things you can do at home to build their faith. And in thinking uh, of, of some questions and thinking about things that they might question, uh, there, there's also some ideas for uh, just questioning and, and kids uh, in discussion over God and Him in their lives. For K through fifth grade, it ties into what the kids are learning at that north end in the Chapel Hill kids each week. Uh, We are in a a love theme for this month. And so consider that. And consider, you know, we teach this, uh, but it's really to support parents and grandparents at, at home throughout through the week. So consider that. The next rhythm, when you walk by the way, Our culture doesn't do a lot of walking by the way. We do more driving by the way. But maybe when you are driving in the car, you're choosing to talk about God. Ask what they learned in Chapel Hill Kids' time on your way home. Talk about what happened when you noticed they got angry in the game that you just watched on your drive home. But simply be aware of ways you can explore with them what God is wanting to teach in each of these by-the-way moments. Maybe you decide to just do some walking along the way. Uh, My two daughters that have uh, grown kids, one in Tacoma, one in uh, Maple Valley, they have decided to walk by the way, do walks with their kids in a, a stroller or walking. And they've talked to me about uh, how rich their conversations have been in the walking by the way. Maybe you decide to do that. And I decided I'm going to start walking with my oldest, uh, Sam, and uh, the next oldest, Lucy. And uh, I found some woods and some trails, and we went on walks. And I give them a break a little bit. I can't tell you how great our conversations are just in walking by the way and teaching them about this one true God. Third rhythm, when you lie down. This is probably the most constant time that I've noticed in our culture. We seem to recognize a need for a bedtime routine of some kind. Most of us take time to read, but maybe you look for ways to read a little bit of a Bible story of some kind along with everything that you're reading. A really good one is the storybook Bible, and I've actually heard Adults tell me they've learned a lot from the storybook Bible as well. It's a great one for the littlest, but maybe for all of us. We're all uh, children at heart, maybe. So take that bedtime to be a spiritual time and look for ways to do that. Fourth Rhythm When You Rise. Our daughters regularly watch their mother, either watching her have a devotional time or they knew where she had her devotional time because on the side of, uh, on, on, the, on the table next to a certain chair, they saw her devotional materials there. Gina's uh, time was at the home. I regret to say, actually, my time was usually out and away uh, that I found to be alone with the Lord. Uh, but I say that because I wish my daughters would have watched me to do, watched me do that. But consider your own devotion time. Somewhere in your home when you rise. Or let, the, let your kids know that you do that. In the first chapter of uh, the Gospel of Mark, you can read about an entire day of Jesus. It's a busy day. You start with chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, In the morning Jesus this and his disciples, and it goes through the entire day. It's the only time in the Gospel you can read an entire day in the first chapter of Mark. You get to verse 35, and it says, This is what Jesus did. Mark's recording, this is what Jesus did the very next day after this very busy day. It says this, It was very early in the morning and still dark. Jesus got up. He left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone. And there he prayed. And I'm thinking when I read this, if the Son of God needed to have time to be with his Father How much more do we need that? And so when you rise, take time to be with the Lord. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about the importance of your words. In the morning times, you might think of ways to build up your children. Let them go out the door being built up. Maybe you give your kids, as my wife did, and my daughters will tell you they remember this, a blessing. Before they go out the door. She did this all the way through high school. Our youngest, their last, her last day of, of high school, she watched her mom hold her face and to say a blessing before she went out the door. Maybe use the words that Mark said in, in uh, last week's. Maybe you got this. Um, say those words as the blessing. You belong to me. I love you. I am proud. Of you. What a powerful thing that is as the child goes out the door. It's a blessing. At this stage of our lives, my wife, Gina, and I look back and realize the importance of daily, daily, centering our lives on the one true God. Was that a guarantee that our daughters would be adults that are following Jesus? Not at all. There's so much that happens where others draw them away. But they, they would tell you it's clear that our lives personally and our family was centered on him. And I believe that that's impacted their adult faith. And they are all each following the Lord, I'm, I'm proud to say. We've now just simply added grandchildren to this daily time of intentional time and also time of prayer for them. So continue on this journey with my wife and I towards centering our individual lives and our homes on this one true God. Seize these daily moments, these daily opportunities. Invest time with all of the younger ones that God has placed in your life. Let's be for our kids by building this younger generation of the kingdom of God. As I mentioned earlier, my, as was mentioned earlier, my wife and I are doing this class called Confident Parenting on Wednesday nights at 6. There is a mealtime, so we need you to register online so we have a count for that. But I also want you to consider maybe God is calling one of you to work in the children's department down there we call it chapel hill kids Uh, if you just do once a month uh, it's the two things that we really need as small group leaders it's a really easy job you're just loving these kids and centering your life and helping them to center their lives and we also need storytellers people that uh, can tell the story uh, god's story Um, we also want you to um, remember this series Uh, and so there's a gift and it's um, it's a wristband that says love god with everything and there's four different colors they're in the back and it's based on deuteronomy 6. and um, grown-ups you can get yours on the door going out the kids are getting theirs down in the wing but if there's kids here there's also some in a special box out by the wood wall there If you have grandchildren that are not here and you'd like to grab some, also take some from there. Um, But uh, let's take this time to just close in prayer. Father, you are just that. You are the perfect Father. Thank you for your grace and mercy in the midst of life. Thank you for even now that we have this opportunity to share in communion an intimate divine time with you a time to be reminded in the Lord's Supper that you have covered us covered us when we have failed to center our hearts on you you have washed us clean when we've blown it when we've missed the mark Help us to daily, daily center our lives on you, Jesus, the one true God. And thank you that you are the God who restores and redeems. For it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.